the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Thursday, June the 4th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 4, 1998, a federal judge sentenced Terry Nichols. He was the other guy involved kind of assisting the main terrorist, Terry Nichols, he was sentenced to life in prison for his role in the 1995 bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma City. Today, on this date in 1792, Captain George Vancouver claimed Puget Sound for the British. Today, in 1812, the Louisiana Territory was renamed the Missouri Territory to avoid confusion because Louisiana, the state of Louisiana, had recently been admitted as a state. Today, 1911, gold was discovered in Alaska's Indian Creek. Today, in 1919, Congress approved the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, guaranteeing citizens the right to vote regardless of their gender and women's suffrage. It was sent to the states for ratification, and, of course, it was ratified. Today, in 1940, during World War II, the Allied military evacuation of 338 thousand troops from Dunkirk, France, ended, and British Prime Minister Winston Churchill declared, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills, we shall never surrender. Today, in 1985, the Supreme Court upheld a lower court ruling striking down an Alabama law that provided kids in school, public school, government-run schools for a daily minute of silence. That's all they were asking for, but no. No, the Supreme Court, Supreme Court, not ready for that. Today, in 1990, Dr. Jack Kevorkian carried out his first publicly assisted suicide. He helped Janet Atkins, 54-year-old Alzheimer's patient from Portland, Oregon, Take Her Own Life, in Oakland County, Michigan. There is a path that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death or destruction. That is a truth that this generation has lost. This is a spirit, there is a spirit of lawlessness in our world today that I haven't seen probably in my lifetime since the Vietnam War, but this has a different tone to it. It's different. It's the same. It's lawlessness, but there's a different, just a different feeling about this than there was about that all those years ago in the 60s. The people running the streets of America are doing the same things. They're carrying placards. They're, uh, you know, with words you don't want to repeat, certainly wouldn't say on the radio or on publicly, or on television, or whatever. They're doing some of the same things, smashing windows in the name of resistance and all of that, but 
there's a different tone about the different intensity about this. Yes, it's about racism. Yes, there is a response, and rightfully so, to the murder of a man who now we found out yesterday had was infected with the coronavirus. Mr. Floyd, George Floyd, the man who was killed by the police who put his knee on his neck for nine nine minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, there is an issue for sure. But I'll tell you, there is it has seeped beyond that as it always does in a spirit of lawlessness. It is not directed generally at just an issue. When people begin to become lawless, it's a spirit that takes over an individual and a crowd. And that's what we're seeing in the streets of America now. I mean, there are some that have become more peaceful, but boy, I'll tell you, there's a story out there this morning in Bellevue. Bellevue Square, one of the premier shopping centers in the country, was just ransacked and looted and pillaged the other night by so-called protesters. They're not really protesting anything. They're seizing the opportunity. It's a part of the whole progressive idea that if you see an opportunity, you know, seize the opportunity, take advantage of the opportunity, of the moment, of the crisis. And there are people that are infiltrating people who are well-intentioned, I'm sure, that are out there and they want racial justice and they want racial equality. I understand that. That's biblical. God has been telling his creation, people, that from the very beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, there is that truth that God wants people to be treated and to be equal, because we are all equal. And God made his statement when his son, Jesus Christ, came to earth, was born of a virgin. That was misunderstood right from the beginning. Mary was accused of having affairs with Roman soldiers, for goodness sakes. That's well documented. She lived under the shadow of, yeah, that you say that God gave you that child, but we know that you had an affair with someone. We just don't know who it was. She lived with that the rest of her life because she was used as God's servant for that time. So there's been, there's been this whole idea of, of resistance and rebellion and lawlessness in the sense that a part of it, part of it is disbelief. So you have that wrapped into every event like this of, of people, you know, demonstrating in the streets and all of that. There's there's always that other element that really doesn't have anything to do with the reason for the for the march or for the for the demonstration, but they seize that as an opportunity. That is built into the progressive, so called progressive regressive ideology. And that's what we're seeing in our country today. I mean, thousands, millions of people, whatever, hundreds of thousands of people that are marching among them, probably the, the majority of them are very well-meaning. I mean, that they're doing what they know how to do. I'm not necessarily, I don't know that that's the best path to getting things done, but it may be. But there are those that are infiltrated among them, Antifa and other organizations. We learned this morning that while the police were distracted outside while they were breaking windows at Bellevue Square, there was a contingent of people connected to the ones that were drawing the attention of the police outside. 
that went inside, and it's been pillaged inside as well. Beautiful stores, all smashed the windows, everything. It's just unbelievable. But while they, while the guys outside were were demonstrating, and the police were arresting or trying to, you know, distract, take them out of the out of what they were doing, this other group, which was associated with that group, were inside, and they were stealing. In fact, they stole several million dollars worth of jewelry and other things from Nordstrom. And it was all just a setup. It was a planned execution. It had nothing to do with racial strife. And so that element is active in all of these cities around the country. I heard a story yesterday of someone who was someone who was reporting on I can't remember who it was. It was a more conservative uh, news organization. But I caught my attention because they were saying that they have they had pictures of the, the fact that there are people going ahead of the demonstrations and they're dropping off pallets. They must have a well, they would have to have a kind of a, a, a loader of some kind, a forklift or something. And they're dropping off these pallets of bricks. And and an, in another case, they were dropping off these big tubs of frozen water bottles, you know, a little, like a bottle of water you Evian or I don't know whatever Costco Kirkland whatever and they they're all frozen and so they take those and they don't they look like they're kind of harmless they look like whoever's carrying it is carrying actually a, a bottle of water but it's frozen and they get close to a police or someone and they throw it at them and hit them in the head if they can I mean it, it's it's bizarre what human you know what humans are capable of if they're Give it over to a spirit of lawlessness. And that's, that's what we're seeing today again and again and again. And in that context, in that context, the Attorney General of Massachusetts, her name is Maura Healy. She's, a, of course, a Democrat. But yesterday she came out and she said, I, I refuse to denounce. This is Attorney General of Massachusetts. She said, I denounce. I refuse to denounce the violent riots that are occurring nationwide. She said they're actually like a purifying, the purifying effects of a forest fire. Well, that caught my attention. We have a lot of forest fires on the West Coast here and even in the Northwest. Yes, America is burning. She said, I'm quoting her. This is an attorney general elected by the people to see that the laws are enforced and obeyed in her state, which is Massachusetts. She said, quote, yes, America's burning, but that's how forests grow. <laughs> She's also the co-chair of the Democratic Attorney General's Association, and it wasn't like she misspoke and said, oh, boy, I shouldn't have said that. Then she, after she made that speech, it was to the Chamber of Commerce, after she made that seat, speech, she got on, on Twitter and kind of doubled down and said it again, and she said, we have to seize this opportunity to rid the country of institutionalized racism, which she blamed for the violence that's going on in the in the streets. This is not just the commentary or the comments of a person, a citizen. Not that that wouldn't be important. This, this is the thinking and the comments of the Attorney General of Massachusetts. It's like a forest fire. Let it burn. Let's burn down the country, and that'll burn out all the all the dross and all the, you know, the undergrowth. I mean, we understand that forest fires are a part of 
the rebirth of, of for us. I mean that that's been but to make that to make that connection is almost unbelievable. But she did. And she didn't blink an eye. Because that's what the left really believes. Fortunately, some of the conservatives came out and, and spoke about Republican Attorney General Association Chairman Jeff Landry. He called on Healy to renounce what she had said, and she said she has no intention of renouncing it. She said, that's what I believe. He said, Maura Healy's inflammatory rhetoric is part of the problem, not the solution. An AG is elected to uphold the rule of law and protect life and property, not to violate their oath and incite additional violence by inflaming emotions, condoning lawlessness. So true. But who knew we would have to be defining that in a so-called enlightened, evolved era. Barack Obama just can't quite let go of the White House and the power of the presidency. Yesterday he did a Zoom conference, a virtual conference. I understand he drew several hundred thousand people that watched him on it. He shared his despair. I watched a part of it. I didn't watch it live, but I watched it later. But he shared his despair, that's his word, about police brutality and the general condition of the United States. He said racial tensions are gripping America. And he spent most of his time talking about the past wrongs, the despair in America, and the pain in America, and talking about what's wrong with America. He did what he did when he was president. And he went on and on and on about how bad America is. He didn't use that word, but I mean, that was the message. And then he said, we have to push for change. I'm quoting him. We have to make people in power uncomfortable. We have to forge a new path. That's interesting that he would use that word because that's the same word that the Attorney General on the other side of the country from us, Massachusetts, used. Forging a new path, finding a new path, walking a new path. That's very interesting. I'll come back to that in a moment. United States Park Police, they finally issued a statement yesterday about the events in Lafayette Park over the weekend. I mentioned this in passing on the program yesterday. I want to come back to it just for a moment because they had made a statement, but now they've issued a a written press release because people keep reporting. I saw two different reports last night myself that touched on this idea that President Trump walked across the street to the St. John's Church that had been ignited, fire had been lit in the church by terrorists, and now the people in the press are saying that he had <laughs> he had caused the the authorities to go out there he'd ordered them to go out there and remove those people forcefully using gas on them finally finally the park police that were in charge of that because of Lafayette Park there have come out with a statement they they said we didn't use gas on anybody there was no tear gas used and the reason we cleared that was not an order from the president 
It was because the protesters there were attacking the police and hurting some of them, and some of them had to be seen, you know, wasn't like critically, but they had to be seen by medical people. They said it was out of hand, and we cleared it. And that was why it had nothing to do with the president walking over there. He was aware of what we were doing and probably chose that moment to walk over there. But we didn't clear it at his direction or order. Boy, that's sure different than the news is reporting it. I heard two reports on local news last night that said, in passing, they said, the president of the United States walked over to St. John's Church and we're still trying to figure out why he held that Bible up and stood in front of the church. After ordering the Park Service to clear the area so he could do this. So it must have been a photo op. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about that and about choosing the right path. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of my enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Psalm 138.7. Never forget that. That's the promise of God, not the words of politicians. I want to talk to you a little bit more about President Trump walking across the street from the White House because it lingers in the news. I mentioned it just the next morning after it happened, but we always pay attention to those kind of things on this program, and that's why we mention as things happen. We can't mention all of them, but we choose. I spend some time prayerfully and and very um, focused in the mornings and in the prior in the day before, thinking about and and making notes to myself about this program. We try to be as current as we can, and we are. We talk about what's happening that day. That's why this program originates live, and then it's rebroadcast. There's a delay of a couple of hours on some stations, but not not much, and it's not the day after. If it were the day after, it would be a whole different matter. I probably wouldn't do this, to be honest with you, because I want to talk about what's happening now. I feel that's what the Lord has led me to do. And I want to just take a moment to say thank you to all of you who feel, as I do, that it is something the Lord needs or wants to have done. And so we're doing the best we can each day. And I want to thank you for your encouraging words. And I want to thank you for your generous support. Honestly, we wouldn't be here without it. We would just be gone. No matter how called we may feel, we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Thank you for standing with us, all of you, everywhere. Particularly, certain areas are just so supportive. And I I just, I can't find the words to adequately express my deep gratitude for your your sense of what God wants to do through this particular ministry. Thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Back to President Trump and his walk across the street. It inflamed. You talk about fires burning... <laughs> In the city, boy, it inflamed the left. I'll tell you, they just went off. Joe Biden, he jumped in the fray. He didn't want to let that opportunity go to waste. And he didn't. He jumped into the fray finally yesterday. And that's what prompted me to spend some time on this today, talking just a little bit about it. He said yesterday on from his basement bunker, he has a, 
as a studio there, and and you know for for good reason. I mean, he shouldn't probably be out all over the place. He's not a teenager, and and the coronavirus seems to like older people uh, more than younger. It's discriminatory. But Joe Biden said yesterday on his uh, one of his little talks, he said, and this is a quote. He said the president held up the Bible at St. John's Church. He said, I just wish he opened it once in a while instead of brandishing it. If he opened it, he would have learned something. We're all called to love one another as we love ourselves. That's really hard, but it's the work of of America. Donald Trump isn't interested in doing that work. Instead, he is preening and sweeping away all the guardrails that have long protected our democracy. Guardrails that help make possible the nation's path to a more perfect union. Path to a more perfect union. A union that constantly requires reform and rededication, and yes, protests from voices that are mistreated, ignored, left out of our, uh, left out or left behind. I'd like to talk to you just for a few minutes today about Biden's path to a more perfect union. That, of course, is an echo of, of Barack Obama when he was president. He was always talking about the path to the more perfect union. It's interesting. Joe Biden says the guardrails are being removed, and yet the foundations of this country have been under attack from the day that Barack Obama and Joe Biden walked into the into the White House, into the Oval Office, to run the country. I want to talk to you a moment about Biden's path about abortion. Should he become president? And I will tell you, there are polls out there, a number of them, that show him leading as much as 10 points leading President Trump in the election. And these are legitimate polls. They're not, you know, marginal organizations. Not all of them, but many of them show him leading. Some of them as much as 10 points. <laughs> to me, it's amazing, but I guess there are people that hate the president that much because there's not a lot to be drawn to with Joe Biden. I mean, he doesn't communicate very well anymore. He once was a firebrand, but... Not so much now. He has a hard time, you know, containing a thought, keeping a thought, staying with that thought while he's talking. So it's a, it's an amazing thing that's happening. But let's take a, just a brief look. In regards to abortion, what path would a President Biden choose regarding abortion? Well, Axios is not a conservative news organization, but they're a little nervous about him. Apparently, they're trying to warn their fellow pro-abortion pilgrims that when they published an article here the other day about Biden, and they say he's wiggling and flopping on the on the abortion issue, and fr- from their point of view, what they mean is he's not as strong on abortion as we want him to be. But Fortune magazine did an in-depth uh, story on this and um, about abortion, and in particular in regards to a, a President Biden. And uh, they're also expressing concerns about what he really believes, because the point of their story is not that he's pro-abortion, because he is now, but he didn't used to be because he's a Catholic. But the path he's chosen is one that says, personally, I believe in pro-life. This is what he says. But I cannot rule as president on a pro-life position because I, it's not fair for me to impose my beliefs on someone else. Those are his words. So I will believe one thing, but I will live something else as president of the United States. As a beginning peek at who this president, what he would look like, 
that's a little concerning. So he would claim to believe one thing, but he would act on another belief that he doesn't hold in his own heart. That's, I mean, that's the height of hypocrisy. And it's also what the Bible calls being double-minded. And the Bible is very clear that double-minded people are very unstable in all their ways. But that's what we have here. He said, I'm prepared to accept for me personally the doctrine of my church. This is a quote recently. I'm prepared to accept for me personally the doctrine of my church about when life begins, but I'm not prepared to impose it on every other person. And he repeats this again and again. And he says, then he throws in, I will support codifying Roe v. Wade into federal law if elected. What he's saying is, in codifying it would make it difficult to impossible to overturn. He knows that. So on the one hand, he's saying, I believe in the sanctity of life, like my Catholic Church does. But on the other hand, because I don't want to enforce, impose my beliefs on someone else, I'm going to assist and abate in this, and I'm going to codify Roe v. Wade so that those pro-life people, of which I'm one, ha-ha, they can't overturn that. I mean, this is bizarre, and you talk about confusion. This is it. It's personified. The same week, facing criticism from fellow presidential candidates, he took off on a rant with the far, with the far-left Huffington Post. He said, if I believe health care, that's a code word for abortion, is right, as I do, I can no longer support the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment stops the government from funding government money, which is our money, but it stops the government from funding, from funding abortions, the Hyde Amendment. He used to say he supported it. He told the Huffington Post this week that he, now he doesn't because he said that, that would be, that would be, that would be, Double-minded. Think about that for a moment. A double-minded person claiming to support taxpayer-funded abortion because he doesn't want to be double-minded. And he leads 10% in the polls. Many of them. Some of them. 10% is the most I've seen, but he leads in many polls. As far as the LGBTQ community, he says, I will push... I will carry their water. I will help them. He said, I will, I will ensure that the discriminatory lifetime ban on blood donation for gay men, he said, is overturned. He said, I promise that. He said, I will act on science and data. Well, science and data says 2% of American population are homosexual men, but they make up 70% of the national HIV caseload. If he's going to go with science and data, then you don't want their blood in the bloodstream giving to people who need a blood transfusion. It's an amazing thing. He promises to decriminalize HIV exposure and transmission. In other words, if someone has sex with someone and gives them HIV and they knew they had HIV, today it's a criminal offense. He said, we'll do away with that because that's not necessary. And then he says, we will mount a campaign to of the underlying issues against LGBTQ through a public information campaign. He said, we will re-educate the public if I'm president. Well, (laughs) there's much more I could say about that, but that's just a, a peek at what a President Biden will look like. And on climate change, Ocasio Cortez and John Kerry will head up his climate change activities.
Well, that's something to think about today, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I, I know this, I believe this, God is in control. And God will allow certain things, he will not allow other things. And we just need to trust the Lord and walk in the path that he has set before us.